You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. You've seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready, ready to go. go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Hello, Miss Stillwell. Hey, how you doing? I'm great. You know why? Why? Because I have a great book in my hand. Look at it's a smiling dog. My dog smiles. It's the language of love. I have the secret languages of dogs in my hand. It's a book by this woman. You have to meet her. She <laughs> is brilliant. She's amazing. She knows everything about dogs. Have you ever heard of this woman named Victoria? Still well. Yeah, it kind of rings a bell. <laughs> I love this book. Thank you. It's, you know, I swore after Train Your Dog Positively that I was mm-hmm. never going to write another book. Mm, just like people say I'm never having another child. Yeah. Well, I wrote another book. Um, <laughs> and because I've always been fascinated in, obviously, dog language and mm-hmm. it, the, all the new, the latest science that's basically telling us more about how dogs think and feel and how they learn and mm-hmm. what we can use as people to encourage a, a, a good relationship to grow between us. And so that's why I thought, ah, you know what? There isn't a book out there like it. I mean, there's books on body language, some really good books on body language, but mm-hmm. nothing out there that says, you know, brings in some of that latest research and puts it all together and talks about, do dogs have empathy? Do they truly love us? Are they jealous? Do they get? Do they have guilt? You know, mm-hmm. what's going on in a senior dog's brain? How do they think? How do they learn? How can you use all of this to enhance your relationship with your dog? Mm-hmm. And so I got a lot of writing that I'd done over the past um, few years and um, a lot of research studies and put it all together with some beautiful pictures. The pictures are amazing. And also some great illustrations. <sighs> And hence we have the secret language of dogs. I love it. It's really, you know, it it is interesting because, you know, I think we all kind of look at our dogs and go, look at that. Look how funny. And I have so many pictures on my phone that I take of my dog because I always say, I'm like, look, Sean, look at, look at, look at what Cashmere's doing. Look at what Barnes And they're so funny. Like, for instance... With Cashmere, I don't know if anybody out there has. When I scratch her at a certain point on her neck, she smiles. I swear she smiles. No, she's probably, it's like an involuntary because the muscles pull up and it makes her look smiling, but she loves it. Because when you stop then too, she's so funny, like she'll butt her head against you and lick you like, so she doesn't want you to stop. But it's funny. So I'm like, make her smile, make her smile. Like, so it's just that little thing. And then her eyes kind of change color and they get, you know what I mean? Like you just see it in her face, you know? I love it. Uh, and, you know, to be able to interpret sort of what our dogs are saying as well, I think is is, is important. So, for example, oh, my gosh, and I'm just, just looking at yeah. a picture of Kashmir and how beautiful she is. She really Sorry, is truly the you. most wonderful and beautiful dog. She's and so she's sweet. called Kashmir, uh, and it's it's spelled K. Yeah, like the Led Zeppelin Like the Led Zeppelin. But... Mm-hmm. Um, she is as soft as cashmere. She is the softest dog that I've ever touched. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, for example, we talk about do dogs dream? Why do they roll in smelly stuff? 
do dogs have ESP? They um, compulsive disorders. Why do dogs have compulsive disorders, and what can we do about it? The language of aging. Mm. How can you tell if your dog has cognitive decline? What about managing pain? How can you tell if your dog is um, is in pain? Would you know some of the signs that your dog is in pain? You know what? I um, I wouldn't, um, except for the fact that when Cashmere had, she had a. a a mass in her stomach burst, basically her cecum, which is the equivalent of a burst appendix. And then that seeded the can, you know, it was cancerous and it seeded whatever. But when it first happened, I didn't know what was going on. And she came in, I noticed something was weird. She wouldn't come in. And when she came in, she was panting and she was grimacing and she would shiver. And I was like, what's going on? It's, it was summer, or, you know, it was warm out. And, um, I looked it up and it turned out they said shivering was pain. I had no idea. Now I know, but no, I would not have known before mm. that. And of course, there are some, yeah, some of those signs which you could, you could misinterpret. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, others, if we see our dogs that are having difficulty walking or they're, they're putting weight on a different leg or mm-hmm. they're favoring one leg over another, these are changes in body posture. All of these, uh, you know, are, are pretty indicative that the dog is uncomfortable in some way for example jasmine can suffer quite a lot from tummy aches and when she does she arches like she she looks like she's a bridge her back so so she sort of she sort of caves in and walks around like an like like her back is making a bridge and that's because you know she's trying to kind of um hold her stomach yeah hold her stomach in because it it hurts that's why how i know that she has a stomach ache but did you know that if there are changes in their coat, that that could be indicative of a painful area too? Oh, no, I did not this know that. This is what the book goes into. Yeah, so for example, if uh, if there's any changes in your dog's coat, if you notice the fur looks a little st- strange mm-hmm. or, you know, all the fur goes one way, but there's a little swirl that's now the mm-hmm. fur is sticking the other way or it's in a circle, circular motion, that might indicate that it's a muscular issue wow. due to decreased circulation caused by a trigger point or strain that impedes blood flow to the hair shaft. Wow. So that's another indication. So when if you're looking at your dog and go, oh, that's a different swirl. I've never seen that before. There could be a potential that that area is... Yeah, the dog is is in pain somehow wow. in some way, and um, and of course things like changes of behavior, reluctance mm-hmm. to go for a walk, excessive licking, that kind oh, of yeah. stuff is all indicated. Well, let me ask you this, um, and I know it's in the book, sort of, but so yes, do dogs dream? And you know, we all know our do- every dog does that. Whether we say, oh look. You know, Barnsley's chasing rabbits where they have that movement. And I always thought it was just involuntary muscle spasm. But it's weird because they do it so much and then they stop. Like, And so I think, he, is he dreaming? Is he? Yes, I think so. Now, it's that's a question that's long fascinated people, mm-hmm. okay? But there was a 2000 study of rats by um, MIT researchers suggested that animals, that they not only dream, but they dream about past events. Wow. In the same way that humans do, um. So, and the reason that the well, the reason why they think this is that they were able to take recordings of electrical impulses from the rat's hippocampus, oh. which is the part of the brain that controls memory. memory. Yeah. And um, while the rats were awake, and then they matched those impulses to nearly identical impulses that occurred when the rats were asleep. And because wow. the electrical impulses were so clear and consistent, the researchers were able to pinpoint the exact part of the maze 
that the rats were dreaming about. Get out. Yeah. So it, wow. it is pretty cool, isn't it? So I have to like wonder what was Barnsley, you know, when he does the little moving and twitching, like what he was... And every once in a while, because they'll do that little like half bark in their sleep, and yeah. he's probably seeing a friend. I mean, and the eye movements that you see, mm-hmm. you know, they're typical during REM sleep, which is the period of sleep in which humans dream. Mm-hmm. So as the eye views the dream images in the same way, they view real images of the world during their waking hours. Mm-hmm. The eyes moving. That's why, you know, during REM wow. sleep as well, that's why we think. You know, dogs will so dream cool. too. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And it's a pretty good book. It's a great book. book. It's called The Secret Language of Dogs. Mm-hmm. And, it's um, available anywhere. It's available online and books. Book on your website too, positively.com. Yeah, yes. slash shop. You can get it there. But. It's really good. I've learned a lot. I haven't read the whole thing, but I've learned quite a bit. because. Um, and the other thing is I haven't gotten to this point yet, but I noticed you have a picture of a dog upside down. And Cashmere does that all the time. Barnsley does not. He does not like to be on his back. And cashmere loves it, so I'm going to have to read. I think it's sometimes a very comfortable position for dogs to be. It's good for their back. It sort of mm. elongates their back, feels good. Like if you lie on the floor and you kind of stretch out and you lie on your back, how, mm-hmm. how nice it feels. So I swore I that saying, I wouldn't – I told you I swore that I wouldn't write right, another yeah, book, yeah. didn't I? But you did. Yeah. Well, we're glad you were um, yeah. mistaken. Yeah. I, I think I might going to be writing another one too. I love that. Now. Well, let me ask you a question since you're the know-all and everything. Um, so – you know, we were just talking today, my husband and I, you know, we love our dogs. I mean, they're like, you know, I'm like, how do I shellac them so they live forever? But I just realized today as we're looking at Barnsley and Cashman, they were being so sweet. I'm like, gosh, they're 10. And they're both big dogs. They both weigh about 70, 75 pounds. And, you know, the reality is big dogs, you know, maybe another four or five years if we're lucky. But like little dogs live till 18, 20. Like, why is that? And then I, because I said to my husband, well, you're six, four and I'm five, two. So Does <laughs> looks like I'm, gonna, yeah. it looks like you better put me in your will because I'm going to outlive you. <laughs> is it the same? I don't know. Okay. But why do small dogs live longer than bigger dogs? All right. Well, there's just been a study come out um, about this. And, um, you know, it's kind of taken the internet by storm about uh, this very, very subject. Oh. And, um, most mammals, right, size matters. So an elephant is going to live longer than a rodent. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Just, I mean, just by sheer size, the elephant and the rodent's going to get eaten probably. Oh, oh I see what you mean. Like in the wild. Yeah. So, so I don't have to worry about that with my husband. Like, but even if it's, even if you have a rat or something or a yeah. hamster, they don't live very long, do they? Mm-hmm. An elephant's going to live a lot longer. Which is unusual, um, right? So maybe Holly, that doesn't mean to mean the fact Traps. that you're, yeah. <laughs> But don't tell Sean. Anyway, but in dogs, the rules totally reverse. Why? So a tiny chihuahua might, for example, like my Jasmine, she might live eight years longer than a Great Dane, a large breed dog. And here's why they think. Here's the reason behind mm-hmm. it. So, and I am I'm looking at this right. I, I haven't learned this. I'm I'm reading you this. Got, there's a study. Yeah. So apparently, when an organism grows, its cells break down well we know this of mm-hmm. course um, right like cells us. break down food to make the molecular fuel they need but generating this energy can also generate an unwelcome visitor and these are renegade molecules called oxygen free radicals have you ever heard of those like yeah that's why we have them too like antioxidant mm-hmm. cancer uh, people get cancer from that because smoking breaks down you bet yeah, um, yeah. these these molecules are missing electrons they mm-hmm. try to poach from other cells in the body mm-hmm. they can damage cell membranes eventually contribute to cancer and other diseases mm-hmm. and molecules known as antioxidants they like, neutralize these free radicals like all you know all your mm-hmm. dark leafy vegetables and all your like berries and dark 
Yes. Right. And ultimately, the more energy your body produces, the more free radicals it makes, and then the more antioxidants it needs. Okay? Mm-hmm. They think oh. that uh, escaped free radicals contribute to aging, apparently. But this is hotly debated. All right. So to find out whether this is true in canines, there were undergraduates in Colgate University in New York. They asked veterinarians for ear clips, dew claws, and cut off tails of puppies. Mm. Oof. Maybe it was accidental. The, yeah, well, I, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ear clips from old dogs that had recently died. Mm-hmm. So I think the puppies had recently died. I don't know oh, they okay. killed yeah, them. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so they collected about 80 samples from large and small breeds. And working with a psychologist, they isolated cells from these tissues. They grew the cells in a lab dish for a few weeks, and then they analyzed them. And in the adult dog cells, energy and free radical production was about equal in the Mm -hmm. two breed sizes. But in the puppy cells, that balance was off. So adult, large, and small dogs had about equal amounts of antioxidants. But the cells from the large breed puppies had too many excess free radicals for the antioxidants to fight. Isn't that interesting? That's, huh. I mean, interesting because that's largely because large breed puppies have faster metabolisms. They're growing faster. They require more energy than smaller breeds. And cell damage, even at this young, can have long-lasting effects. So did they recommend then, like with people, giving dogs antioxidant-rich foods and diets like supplements? Because I give my dogs, I have this stuff I sprinkle on. It's got all these vitamins and minerals. It's for senior dogs. And the reason I do it really is because... I see there, you know, it has glucosamine and chondritin in it so that, you know, it's good for their joints, but it also, you put the powder on water, it makes a little gravy. So, and it's got all this other benefits. So is that, does that help? Well, it says here, um, you know, that's what people are asking. Would it be possible to extend the lives of large dogs with antioxidant supplements whilst they're puppies? Mm-hmm. And or even adult dogs, well, you true. know, yeah, the antioxidants, down. they could help get rid of these young dogs, extra free radicals before they do damage. But so excessive amount of the molecules can be detrimental. Moderate levels can be beneficial. And hmm. you have to be at the, I don't think anybody knows what level of antioxidants are going to be helpful. But I thought it was actually really quite an interesting study. Yeah. I have a 15-year-old dog. So your Amazing. dogs are 10. Yeah. My lab is 15. She's beating the odds. Yes. Touch wood. Yeah. She seems, apart from some, you know, hip issues. And, right. Um, I can see her difficulty getting up and lying down. But apart from that... You know, she goes out for her walks every day. She runs like a little puppy. She's healthy and fit and eats well. And she's 15 and she's a Labrador. It's um, it's even further, I think, further evidence that dogs are really a lot more like us than we think. I mean, because they used to think, well, you know, they're, they're dogs, whatever. Now we know they have emotions like we do. They have reactions like we do. You know, they have somewhat of logic like we do. So now their bodies are a little bit more similar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it makes mm-hmm. me, it, it, I have a cat who's 20 in a couple months and he's still going strong. My other cat was 20. And so it makes me run, wonder, you know, sort of the same thing. You see cats are living longer. I wonder if we're changing food, if we're, you know, doing we doing better care with them as we know more about them. I think that's it's fascinating. It is fascinating, isn't it? And, you know, it makes sense that if it's a good diet and, you know, antioxidants and things like that, exercise for the dog. Because how many people say, you know, don't, you know, you, like you, you must walk your dog, right? You must so, walk the dog. So, but that also helps because we know that that helps, you know, keep the body healthy. It helps the blood circulating, which gets those free radical, gets the antioxidants, you know, circulating through to get those free radicals. And we know how important exercise is for dogs as in humans, right? Like your friend, uh, Rue. Yes. Oh my gosh. Like you want to talk about he'll live forever. He's a ninja. He is canine ninja. 
for American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, because I watched that show. He's and he's so popular because he wears these T-shirts. Um, adopt, don't shop. Yeah, that's and right. And he's all about adoption. And of course, he Rue was. He had. He loves pit bulls, and he so had one him. of the Vic dogs, mm-hmm. Hector, and then also the disc champion, frisbee champion dog. Uh, which was Wallace the Pitbull. They're sadly now no longer with us, but really they are, you know, they, they these dogs, that, yeah. they have, and these dogs have really changed a, a lot of people's opinions about Pitbulls. So anyway, right. he was here in Atlanta. He's such a nice yes. guy. And by the way, we're not saying that, we're not saying old dogs and all of a sudden Rue. We just got, no, 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 okay, no. yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, we did, but fitness is important. Yes, so, yeah. But, um, Anyway, he was here in Atlanta, and I managed to grab an interview with him. Oh, cool. Let's listen. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. Answer the phone! Ladies and gentlemen, let's go! So our guest today on this podcast is K9 Ninja himself, Rue Yori. We are so pleased you can join us today. I'm very happy to be here. So tell, uh, I know we, we've done a little bit of an introduction, but um, tell the viewers about how you got into American Ninja Warrior. Uh, I've always loved obstacles, swinging around like a monkey, you know, just throughout my whole life. I've always just loved, loved playing and finding out what's possible. And, you know, so when American Ninja Warrior came on TV, I was like, that's something that I just need to do. And, uh, unfortunately it didn't really work out previously, like previous years, but, uh, just didn't line up but uh once it did i figured i you know here's the chance put in my application and fortunately got chosen so see now i mean um, you got chosen because you're very talented at it and uh, but you're doing it for a good cause tell us what tell tell us you, you're wearing a t-shirt adopt a dog you've got the picture of one of your former dogs um on the t-shirt tell us a little bit about how you're using this vehicle to kind of create greater awareness sure yeah my wife and i have been involved with rescuing dogs for over 10 years uh you know we've rescued a bunch of dogs we had wallace who was a pit bull who was going to be euthanized he became national and world champion frisbee dog mm-hmm. we had hector who was uh, rescued from the michael vick case who he became a certified therapy dog um when they they passed away recently unfortunately but um and it kind of left a bit of a gap as far as what do i do now and so once I got the opportunity to compete on American Ninja Warrior, I was like, this is a really great opportunity and maybe it could, you know, fill that gap as far as reaching outside of the typical dog circles, reaching the general public to encourage them and let them know that there's lots of dogs out there that need adoption. And if people don't adopt them, unfortunately, they either sit there or they get euthanized. So I was like, this is an amazing opportunity. So I wanted to not have it be about, hey, look at me, I'm on TV and want to be famous. It's like, let's use this platform to do some good and put put some good juju back out in the world. <laughs> now, we're talking about massive viewership here, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. It was, I think, six, seven million uh, per episode. So it's prime time, 
primetime footage. I mean, what you can't ask. I couldn't. I couldn't get that anywhere else. And so I was like, this is a once in a lifetime dream come true opportunity. You know, I didn't know if I was going to get featured. You know, but I was like, if I do, I want it to count and I want it to do good. And fortunately. Fortunately, I did. Yeah, you got featured. Yeah, I did. You got featured, <laughs> which did. is, I mean, uh, amazing. It's fantastic. Now, um, I met you doing It's Me or the Dog, and I met you when um, you were, and you came along and you helped a family sort of see what their dog might be capable of, or at least, you know, give them some kind of ideas of some activities they could do with their dog. Tell us a little bit about that work that you did or the sport that you did and also about Hector. Uh, yeah, uh, Wallace, like I said, he was going to be euthanized. He was a really extremely driven and energetic dog. I mean, I had never had a dog uh, at that level uh, before, and I didn't personally didn't really know how to handle him the best. But fortunately, we found out that he really liked to catch Frisbee, and that seemed to channel all of that energy and allowed him to focus all of his drive onto that topic rather than causing issues and stealing towels out of the bathroom and ripping up the carpet and, you know, doing all the fun things that energetic driven dogs do. So, um, we started competing and I had to teach myself how to throw for his B. Um, and, but we, we both, it, it fit with me because I've been an athlete all my life, you know, coming out of college, we don't really have that opportunity. And so, you know, when I went into the real world, quote unquote, you know, I, I missed out on a lot of that competition. That I, and so this allowed me to kind of get back into that. It was helping with Wallace make him into a better dog. And so it's just a really, really good fit. Um, we're not just talking about throwing a Frisbee here. I mean, yeah. when you were talking, you're throwing a Frisbee. I mean, you truly are doing amazing tricks with it. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it's definitely a team effort. And um, I, like I said, I've, I've been an athlete my whole life. And so... Wallace and the dog is busting their rear ends, you know, trying to catch it. And I was like, you know what, if they're working that hard, I want to work that hard for him as well. And, you know, and the more athletic that I could be as a handler, it tended to increase our scores, uh, you know, with the judging and that kind of stuff. So if I could bring as much as I could to the table and let Wallace do his job, you know, it worked out really well for us. So. And then, of course, Wallace first and then comes yep yep so the Hector. the year that we won the the incredible dog challenge was the same year michael vick got busted for dog fighting and i had seen the impact that wallace had on people uh changing their minds for the better because they're like oh they, they saw a dog playing frisbee and then when they s- realized that he was a pit bull it was like oh, i didn't know pit bulls could play frisbee i'm like well he's a pit pit bulls are dogs dogs play frisbee so why not right so when i saw i knew that Hector and all those dogs are going to be in the media spotlight because it was just going to be a kind of a crazy situation. Mm -hmm. And I really thought it was important if any of those dogs were uh, okay to be adopted out, that they got that chance so that they could prove that, you know, they could overcome something like that as well. And we shouldn't judge them based off of where they were found or what they look like. You know, we needed to evaluate them. I completely agree with that. But, you know, let's find out who they are. Fortunately, a number of them, you know, were okay to be adopted, and Hector was one of those, and we were fortunate enough to bring him into our home. Um, and it was it was a learning experience for us too. I mean, he had scars all down his chest. Um, you know, we were even 
with us who believed in these dogs, it still had that stereotype of, you know, man, he's coming from this situation. We have dogs in our house. Is this really going to be okay? And so we were a little hesitant, but, you know, we, we just trusted it. And fortunately, he was actually, he was bossed around by Mindy Lou, who was a little 13-pound <laughs> fluff ball, just owned Hector from day one. Um, so, you know, it just goes to show we don't know what we don't know until we actually find out. Yeah. So. So uh, what what is the kind of work, or if you could if you could leave people with a message, what would it be? Um, I guess is you know be be open to proving yourself wrong um, because oh hallelujah done yeah. so many times good grief yes I yeah. love that yeah because I mean even like I said even myself who was advocating for those dogs I didn't. I was hoping that maybe one or two of them would be okay. And it turned out that more of them would be okay. A lot of them, unfortunately, were affected and they needed to go into like a sanctuary type of environment. And, you know, um, they had a good life. But, you know, maybe under the situation, if it wasn't Michael Vick, they might not have been saved. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, but it's still, there's still more of those dogs that came out of there that were okay to be adopted to the public than even I thought. Mm-hmm. And even looking at Hector, um, he proved me wrong on multiple occasions. And that was somebody, like I said, was advocating for him. So um, I just think it's really important that we all, we all have our preconceived notions. We all have our judgments that we make, and that's fine. But if we're going to act on them, I think it's, it's important for us to make sure that they're true. Yeah. Root, you're amazing. Uh, I love the work you do and that you continue to do and that now you're using your profile to help um, people learn about adoption and also, you know, educating about pit bull types. I hope that we can do more work together in the future. Me too. And um, I'm very excited about where this could take take us. So. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process, they they physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, You obviously don't know my dog. Just ask Victoria. Ask Victoria is sponsored by our good friends at Zooks. For over 20 years, Zooks has been making healthy, natural dog treats that energize and entice your dogs. And they continue to innovate with a new line of nutritious food launched this year. Now, all of Zook's treats and food choices are, thankfully, free of harsh additives, preservatives, and common allergens like wheat, corn, and soy. And I think the reason why my dogs love them so much is because they're made with the best, wholesome, nutrient-rich ingredients that nature has to offer. Zook's provides dogs the fuel they need to enjoy adventures and embrace training time. If you want to learn more, go to zooks.com. Okay, it's time to get into your brain. I love That's it. That's not a good place. <laughs> Today it will be. And this is from Elise in Mississippi. Let's start with Elise. 
And she asks, what are your thoughts on doggy boarding school, where you send your dog off to have him or her train for you? I ask because although there's not a VSPDT trainer in our state, Victoria Stillwell, positively dog trainer, um, there is one a few hours drive next state over who does long-term training. However, neither my partner or I have had any experience with this and fear we would not only miss our pup, a lot, but also miss bonding experiences with her. Any thoughts you could give would be greatly appreciated. Yes. Now, there are some people who actually do offer some really good board and train options. And so mm-hmm. I don't want to say, oh, no, actually, it's not a good option. You need to be training your dog yourself because actually some of these places are great. The dogs love them. They have a great time. They do bond with the people mm-hmm. that are teaching them, but, um, you know, the teachers are very cognizant of the fact. And then when you come up to get your dog back, then they you know, they show you everything. Mm-hmm. And so then it's going to take a few few weeks for you to bond with your dog, and um, but your dog will. So that's not really an issue. And um, I'm not against board and train at all. But as long as it's the right kind of training. As, as long as it's the right. Now, Positive when training. people say... Oh, yeah, I sent my dog away to doggy boot camp. That's when I go, oh, poor thing. Mm-hmm. What a nightmare for these poor dogs. Seriously, you know, you you transition. You go into this new place. You don't know anything. And then you're in boot camp. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know many boot camps that are actually positive. So I, if you are going to send your dog away, you don't have time or you don't have um, – the willingness or you just can't you know you really just need to have the dog trained by somebody else then um really do your research please and send them to a place that is positive and you actually have a training academy for those who don't know it you actually have a training academy that you're training these positive trainers so some of them may open these you know sort of training facilities but some of them you know she said there's none in her town in mississippi so maybe i think somebody should go to alabama i think i think Mm -hmm. she's thinking about abigail in alabama who's who's fantastic so but what it says Um, is someone in mississippi needs to go to your training academy and they'll have a great business hey yes if you want to you know find out more about that you go to vsdogtrainingacademy.com you'll be able to find out more about our training academy and it's a really a, an amazing six-month course for trainers for people mm-hmm. who want to be dog trainers or people just want to know more about their their own dog and yeah it's a it's a great academy we have one starting in march actually just the first of march here in atlanta yeah here in atlanta and you also do one in, in the uk months, yes and that's starting in um, june awesome uh, with june july so yeah so but i'd say be careful mm-hmm. because yes the person I think the best time to get a pup, the best time to get a dog is when you are around a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Not too much because you don't want the dog to be totally attached to you and then you leave all of a sudden to go back to work. Yeah, anxiety. Then you've got that issue. But I just don't think those formative weeks and months are vital for bonding. Mm -hmm. Not that the dog's not going to bond to you, as I said, but I don't know. Um, Plus they're puppies and they're cute and they still have that puppy breath. Yeah, or you know, or even if it's an older dog and you get an older rescue dog, mm-hmm. I just, I just would train you, the, them yourself. You know? Okay. Um, this one is something that I need to pay attention to. This is from Kimberly in California, and she says, "I'm wondering how to get our dogs out of our bed." We have three Cavaliers, all boys. Two of the three sleep on our bed. One is in pain about it. If my husband tries to kiss me, he intervenes. I'm thinking about putting up a gate at the end of the hall and leaving them in the living room. They all have access to their doggy door, so potty won't be a problem. There will be lots. And then she puts lots in parentheses and big letters of whining, howling, scratching, and crying. Any advice how to minimize 
the negative effects. And here's the thing. I get that because we have big dogs and they always jockey for position. Someone's in the bed. And even if we kick them off, when you wake up in the morning, they're there. Yeah, they'll always find a way to get <laughs> back on. Okay, it, it really, it depends on what you want. <laughs> do you want the dog sleeping on the bed or do you not want the dog sleeping on the bed? Or do you want the dog sleeping in the room with you but not on the bed? Like in their own beds. And yes. So then you have to get them big comfy beds. And then, you know, each time the dog comes up onto your bed, you just get up and you put the dog back onto their bed. And hopefully they'll get the message after a while. You can still sleep in the room, but you have to sleep on your own bed. Now, if you're going to transition them all out of the room and you want them out of the room, mm-hmm. here's how you would do it. Now, I'm all for doing things gradually, but I think because there are three of them, then at least they've got each other for company. And I think maybe you're just going to have to, you know. Like a child, let him cry it out in the crib. I mean, you know, I don't really like, you know, I've never liked the whole idea of the, you know, letting the kid cry and stuff. But um, because they're crying for a reason. However. Oh, Vic, they're crying. Yes, but they get over it. Yeah, well, yeah, not. I mean, there's there's actually studies that have been done. We won't go there. You know, maybe sometimes that whole kind of control crying is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But. I would, in this instance, they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And you might have a few sleepless nights, but you're gonna, they're going to be okay. And I think in, in this case, especially if there's fights over the bed or mm-hmm. if, you're, if your husband can't even get close to you. Now, I've done a lot on It's Me or the Dog. Uh, I, we've had a lot of mm. episodes where couples have that issue. and um, But the issue they've had is that one, uh, like the man, wants the dog to stay in the bed. And the woman wants the dog out or the other way. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we might have a little bit of a problem. It actually might be more than just a dog the on the dog. bed <laughs> issue. And you know, some of these dogs really attack <clears throat> the person. So, for example, it's the female dog. If it's the female's dog, then um, when the man comes to bed, he's, the poor man actually gets attacked. We had a very famous dog called Teddy Pom Pom, who was a Pomeranian. Oh, my gosh. He went after that guy. Whenever he came into the bed, yeah, Teddy Pom Pom launched. He was like a shark. (laughs) Anyway. um, But you also had that husky that was going after the girlfriend of the bull, that guy. Same thing. So so here's the deal. So with those, I mean, we worked that uh, when Teddy Pom Pom was the bed, if he growled at all when the guy came in, he was just lifted up by the female owner and put on the ground. That's it. You lose bed privileges. If you growl, you lose bed privileges. Mm -hmm. If you're quiet and you let him come in, then you can stay on the bed. Actually, that worked really, really well. No shouting, no hitting, nothing like that. It's just, oh, you lost it. Mm -hmm. But for some people, having a dog (laughs) on the bed is the next best excuse to a headache. (laughs) We'll leave that there. Yes. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And so some of the people that I did uh, see... Maybe weren't that happy that I fixed it. Okay, this is Leslie in the UK. I think we have time for one more here. And this is interesting. She says, hi, I have a two and a half year old flat coat who works as a gun dog. Um, do you want to describe what a gun dog is? Yeah, a gun Explain dog it. is a dog that hunts, um, that goes out and maybe is mostly for bird hunting. So if you shoot a bird, they go out and get it and yeah. bring it back. Yeah. Okay, but this dog has suddenly started whining and crying to howling when certain levels of music or theme tunes come on TV. Even classical music when the violins come in. 
I have both her parents who do not react to high-pitched music. Would your CD set help her? We have turned down or muted the theme music, and I'm trying to associate it with nice things, but not getting very far. Hope you can advise. Thanks. Wow. That's so unusual. I mean, I've had dogs that bark at the television. I've had dogs that, um, you know, kind of go a little crazy uh, when they see other um, animals. I mean, I've got lots of dogs that are noise phobic. It sounds like there's something that is maybe causing the dog some kind of discomfort. So maybe it's an inner ear thing. Have they gone to the vet maybe or something? I would definitely take your dog to the vet to make sure that there's no um, ear infection or... But then if it's a, if it is truly a behavioral issue and it is high pitches, then is it something that's causing discomfort? Is it hurting the dog in some way? Is the dog's hearing so sensitive or is it an eardrum issue? I suppose if they're a gun dog, you know, and you don't always have to go out with a gun and shoot a gun with a gun dog. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's plenty of people that like just to do gun dog trials. They don't actually get live birds Mm -hmm. and they don't shoot real guns either. So if you have shot a real gun, has it caused some kind of hearing damage or, or some yeah. a sensitivity there? That is strange yeah. to me. Or it might be a dog that's just reacting to the noise. It's perfectly fine, but just reacting to the noise. You could try my calming music. Now, here's the thing with the bioacoustic music that's called um, that I worked with the people from Through a Dog's Ear. And um, if you go to the Canine Noise Phobia series, and you can see that in my positively.com forward slash shop you'll be able to see it um you'll learn about bioacoustic music well uh, this music is done with what we call frequency modulation so the high frequencies have been taken out and it's the mid to low frequencies uh those those the frequencies that discharge the nervous system it does it in people and also does it in animals so therefore my calming cd which has had the high frequencies taken out and you only got the mid to low frequencies and and it's quite slow and it's one single piano so there's not a lot of instruments can really help relax the dog try that try having that it does work you want to know why well why? it worked for me because i put it on for my dog because it was getting you know barnsley does not like storms coming and he was getting really anxious and so i put it on and i fell asleep you fell asleep i fell asleep but it you worked. know i got a a, a, a facebook post from a or a message from one of the, a friend of mine in ireland who said who's just had a new baby and she said you know what i yeah. tried this kid was not sleeping through the night i put on your music good night sleep i'm like yeah there you go let's jump right into the let's embarrass and humiliate holly segment open your notebook sharpen your pencil and get ready you're about to attend victoria's animal academy Now's my time that I can get back at you, Holly. <laughs> For last week's quiz? Yes. Oh, my god. You know gosh. I have more. I did you more. Do? Yeah, so next week it's my turn again. Okay. okay. Oh, my God. All right. Um, but you're quizzing me? Yes, I am. All I've right. got some really <clears throat> cool questions here. All right. So, <clears throat> okay. Goodness here. me. I'm good. Um, all right. Number one. Okay. How many times can a woodpecker peck per second? <laughs> This is insane. Well, here's the deal. If the woodpecker outside my house, he's not real bright because he usually does it in metal. And I don't think he can go as long because it hurts. I'm going to go 50 times a second. Oh, do you know? That's what? pretty. I mean, it's 20 times. Oh. But still, in a second. Yeah. That's, in that's, one second, it can peck 20 times. You, know, you hear it. It doesn't sound like that much, but can you see that? That's amazing. 
Wow, um, well, if only we could harness that power for our good. I know, my gosh. Um, all right. They're but, busy. But 50 times, you know, that's a. That, how many that would be like a super woodpecker. How many headaches they get. Good Lord. Do you know that in Concussion? Have you seen the film Concussion? Not yet, but I hear it's great. It's a brilliant, brilliant film. Yeah. And he says about the woodpecker, and they have, the, is it the woodpecker whose tongue curls back over their head to protect their brain as they're pecking? Oh, really? Because that's why they can peck so hard like that that um, and not get concussed. Wow. Mm. Oh, I know. See? Don't you learn something? Anyway, brilliant film. Learn a couple of things now. Yes. Okay. Is a zebra or zebra, for those of you in the UK, <laughs> white with black stripes or black with white stripes? It's not the age-old question. Mm-hmm. I'm going with uh, white with black stripes. Yes. Really? Yeah. You know why That's I say that? Is. Why? Because I'm smart. No, uh, because you know how sometimes when you look at it, it almost looks like the black was painted on because those black stripes kind of trail off. Yes. Yeah. Very good. All right. I'm observant. What animal will not eat another animal that has been struck by lightning? <laughs> I would think they would all eat because it's like barbecued. It's like perfectly cooked and charred on the outside. Apparently, it says all carnivorous animals won't. They won't eat another. Why? If an animal's been struck by lightning, which I guess happens in the wild, on Mm -hmm. the plains, in Africa, uh, then nobody will eat it. Why? No idea. Because I'm thinking, you know, seriously, I mean, not to be crude, but like they're cooked. (laughs) No? Not really. Okay. It's not great at all. But no, it's <laughs> not um, for them. <laughs> oh, okay, so I have no idea about that. Okay. It's a, quite a random question. I have to look say. that up. Okay, here's another one. What are infant beavers called? Oh, uh, beavets. Beavets? <laughs> you said that as if you just, oh, yeah, like, of course I know that. Is that not true? Uh, no. Oh. Kittens. Oh, really? Yes. They stole that. They're not very original. Right. <laughs> but I will tell I you. I think is much better. Don't you? I think we should start a movement. Yeah. Who's in? Hashtag BVAT. Yeah, right. Okay, there we go. Oh, dear. How long does it take to hard boil an ostrich egg? <laughs> I mean, where do we, where do I get these okay, questions? Well, I don't know how long it takes to really hard boil a human egg, like a chicken egg that we eat. Um, not a human egg. A chicken egg that we would eat and on. Fertilized chicken. But so if I knew that, an ostrich egg is bigger. So it's, they would say three minutes to do a regular egg. I don't know. I just boil it until I think it might be done. Six minutes. 40 minutes. What? Yeah. It doesn't say whether it's going to be soft boiled or hard boiled. It's got to be like rock solid boiled. Jeez. Wow. 40 minutes. It's a big egg. Mm-hmm. This is important to know. Mm-hmm. How long do, I mean, we're talking about how long animals live. How long do pigs live on average? Oh, pigs live a long time because I want a pig so badly. I've done research. I think pigs can live up to, uh, let's say, 20 years. About 15 years. Yeah, mm-hmm. because I want a pig. And this is how my husband's being mean. Every time like I have a birthday, he's like, well, now's your last chance to get a cat because it'll outlive you. You know, you can't have a parrot. That's You're too so old. Cool. And I'm like, oh, God. God. So I could have a pig. I could have two pigs. Yeah. Maybe. I'm not done yet. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You got, a, you got a while left in your old girl. <laughs> Um, it's all right. I call everybody. I call my twelve-year-old daughter old girl too. It's a, I and it. I told you, I think it's I've a used very it British thing. It is yes. a British thing. Okay, this is going to be your last question. Okay. What is the most common mammal in the United States? Boys. Yeah, common mammal. <laughs> hmm. In the United States, the gray whale. Mouse. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what it says the here. Common. Wow. Mm. Well, there you go. That, that's freaky. I'm I sure there's a lot. Something. As we're sitting here, I'm sure there's a lot around here. There we go. Well, see, I did okay. 
As long as they don't come in my house. Yeah. You know what, though? That's why Oof. you need to be vet to get rid of the yes, mice. Yes. I love that. Be vet. We've just, we've just created a new name. All right. Thank you, Holly. You're welcome. Thank you. This I feel is, smarter. This has been really, uh, this has been a really fun, great podcast. For those of you who are interested, get my book. It's called The Secret Language of Dogs. You can unlock the canine mind for a happier pet. <laughs> Available where all books are sold. If you, it's um, such a pretty book too. Honestly, I will say I the dog on the front. You have to see the dog. He looks so happy, and I kind of just want to. He's like a bath mat. Isn't it beautiful? Um, the book soft. is out now in the United States and uh, in the UK. It's coming out in May. We've got a better soft launch in March because of Crufts. So if you come to Crufts, you'll be able to be one of the first people to get the UK version. And if they happen to run into you, would you sign it for them? Absolutely, I'll sign it. Cool. And so for those of you, don't forget, we're excited. February twenty first, we've got. Guardians of the Night airing on my Facebook. Um, also on February the 25th, we've got the evening with Penn Farthing from Nalzad and myself. That's in Decatur, Georgia. Then um, in March, come see me in the UK in Crofts. I'll be in Ireland just before that. And then what else? What else? Yes, if you want to come to the Dog Bite Prevention and Behavior Conference, please do. That is, uh, you can find out more information going by going to positively.com forward slash DBC for Dog Bite Conference. That's in June. We want to see you there June 24th and 25th of this year. And uh, gosh, I think that's about it. Awesome. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook and YouTube as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at Victoria S. This season of the Positively Podcast is brought to you by Adaptil. Best behavior starts with Adaptil. Go to Adaptil.com to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.